0: I believe that every true Christian is secure in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that if we sin, we don't experience consequences. And David is a picture of a believer who have sinned against God, repented, experienced forgiveness, but is reaping the consequences. And there's going to be a chapter and chapters to come full of poetic justice. It reverberates, it ripples out into David's life, and the consequences are sad, but they are reality. We'll learn more about how that works and how we can avoid such things today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. I mentioned to you they're probably something like a heart cake, and the problem was Amnon's heart because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand it? It's desperately sick. She took the pan, dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have everyone go out of the room. So everyone went out from him. Now, he said he was hungry. He said he wanted her to prepare food, but then she prepared it. Then he wouldn't eat because he was not hungry for the cakes. He wanted her. That's where his appetite lay. And Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hands. So Tamar took the cakes, which she had made, brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon when she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. I want to sleep with you. Let's be together. Now his plan has come to fruition. He says, lie with me, which is a way of uh, saying he wanted to be sexually intimate with her. And my sister has taken on an erotic tone. You can note Song of Solomon 4. Verses 9 and 10 and verse 12, he, he now wants to be intimate with her. And she answered and said to him, no, my brother, 12, do not violate me. You're going to see multiple times she says, no, no, no. Don't violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Uh, there is a rape that happens of, uh, by Shechem. He rapes Dinah in Genesis 34, 7. And it it said in that account, this kind of thing does not happen in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. Now she tries to stop him and she confronts him and she confronts him with his identity. She says, You are a person of Israel. We are under Torah. We are under the law. This kind of thing ought not happen. And when you and I are faced with temptation, and look, we're all tempted, and to be tempted is not a sin. Even Jesus was tempted. To be tempted is not a sin. It's what you do with that temptation that really matters. And one of the things that you need to realize is that the Holy Spirit, when you're being tempted and your flesh wants to do something stupid, will often say something like this. Don't forget who you are. That's not how you behave as a son of the king, the ultimate king. Everybody with me? In the moment when you're tempted and you do have a decision to make, that's when you need to hear the voice of the Spirit above the voice of your flesh. And the flesh does war against the Spirit, Galatians five seventeen And the two are contrary one to another. So sometimes you don't do what you want to do. We've all faced that before. And look, I'm up here telling you I'm a man I'm the chief of sinners, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we were singing that, I was singing that for me. (laughs) To the Lord in gratitude, but knowing that's me. And so she tells him, Don't do this. This is a disgrace. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? She would lose her virginity. As for you, 13, middle of the verse, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Don't be a fool. Now therefore, please speak to the king for he will not withhold me from you. She says, let's do this the right way. Go to the king and ask for my hand. But she may be just saying this as a ploy because technically uh, the law would not allow this. You can write down Leviticus 18.11 is one place uh, where it's, this is a no-no. The fool, Psalm 14.1 says in his heart, there is no God. Do you know If you keep reading in Psalm 14, the fool in that famous verse, it goes on to say, he says what he says, there's no God, for moral reasons. Please hear what I'm about to say. The verse goes on to say, they are all corrupt. They're all abominable. The fool says there is no God because he wants to live as if there is no God. He says that not based upon science or based upon what he senses inside or from the creative majesty of the world that cries out that there's a God. He says there's no God to get him off the hook so he's not under the demands of Scripture. That's why it happens. That's why people so quickly gravitated to the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution is bankrupt. It's a lie. It's been debunked and disproved. There is obviously change within a species, but not one species becoming another species. It does not exist. But people gravitated to it because then it allowed them to get away what they wanted to get away with. And Amnon, as he has shown in this account, he would not listen to her. He was stronger than she, 14 And so he violated her. The word speaks of humiliation, oppression, subjugation. And he lay with her. Now, the deed is done. He has overpowered her. There's no other way to say it. Amnon has raped his sister. But notice what happens next. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love, and I think I'd put love in quotes, with which he loved, had loved her. So Amnon said to her, get up and go away. But she said to him, no, because this wrong in sending me away, this is gonna just make matters worse, if you will, is greater than the other that you have done to me. Yet again, he would not listen to her. Basically, he got what he wanted, and then he hated her. And he kicked her out. Verse 17. He even called his his young man, something like an attendant to him, who attended him and said, now throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. This woman is not actually the original Hebrew. It's a single syllable in Hebrew. It could be rendered this way. Send this out of my presence. Brutal. And I will tell you that this is often what happens with forbidden sexual sin. Someone is focused on doing something, they get what they want, they do the wrong, and then there's hatred. There's a psychological insight here, and it's profound. She was now a reminder of his sin. So, she, so he didn't want to look at her. So he had to get her out of the room basically so that she didn't remind him of his own wretchedness. Now she had a long sleeve garment for in this manner the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. It was a way of showing that they were virgins. Then his attendant took uh, took her out and locked the door behind her. Now this garment's going to become uh, something that she's going to tear because she has been torn up. But I want to read something from uh, a writer who uh, I would ask you young ladies to really key into what I'm about to read. He says, let me give you f- a friendly fatherly tip under, unto all you young ladies who may be in the position of Tamar in that you have some fellow who's really pressing hard to have sex with you. He is, he is the soul of kindness. He's very attentive. He calls all the time. He opens the door for you. He brings you flowers, but he's pushing hard for a sexual relationship. Don't give in. If you really love him, make him wait until you're married. If he really loves you, he will. Over and over, time and again, the fellow will press and press until he has taken you to bed. And that's the last you will see or hear from him. You are no longer a challenge to him. He's conquered and he's off on new conquests. If you really love him and want him, make him wait. And if you really love God and love yourself, make him wait, close quote. I've talked to some people over the years about some of these subjects, and I've had people laugh in my face and say to me, do you really think it's realistic that a person could be a virgin until they're married? And I've said, yes. Do you have another question? Oh, no, we need to hand out condoms in high school because we know what's going to happen. They're going to have sex anyway, so let's just, let's just fess up to it. Let's get with reality And the fact is, you don't have to go with the flow, my brother, my sister, you don't. You don't have to do it the world's way. You can wait. You can do it God's way. Now, I know a lot of us have made our mistakes in this area. And so again, I want you to read the account in the shadow of the cross, and I'm gonna give you some hope at the end of this story. But I want you to see what Tamar did. She put ashes on her head. This is a sign of mourning she tore her long-sleeved garment, which represented her virginity, because that was torn up now, which was on her. She put her hand on her head and went away, went out. They had kicked her out, crying aloud as she went. She had ashes. She had tore her garment. These are all things you'll see in your Bible over and over again, signs of mourning and grief. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, he had saw, saw her in this emotional distress. Notice what he says. Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? It's like he knows. He, he could see the attraction as a brother. He knew there was some unhealthy stuff going on. And when he saw her with this kind of emotional distress, he says, has Amnon, in essence, violated you? But now he says, and she may have just given him a nod like, yes, no words are recorded. Now he says, keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. It might be, don't blame yourself. Don't, don't, don't stew on it too long. Try to move forward. So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. He kind of became a kinsman redeemer to her in a sense. The father of peace, Absalom or Shalom, brought her in, tried to give her as much peace as possible. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona hey i want to tell you something that's exciting happening here at the church we have a college that we've started we offer a two-year diploma in christian apologetics and theology we have two exciting classes coming up with great instructors it's hidden riches of church history from the resurrection to the reformation and we have a class on christian philosophy how do we know what truth is we're going to look at epistemology and some other subjects like that are you a working adult have you just graduated from high school and looking to go deeper in your faith the tuition is very low, and the instruction is excellent, and the classes start in July. Are you interested? Do you want to go deeper in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to give answers for the hope that you have in the public square? Well, check it out today. It's the thetruthacademy.com, thetruthacademy.com. Sign up today, find out all the information, and get equipped. God bless you. He kind of became a kinsman redeemer to her in a sense. The father of peace, Absalom or Shalom, brought her in, tried to give her as much peace as possible. Now, when King David heard of all these matters, he was very angry or furious. Kind of like when Nathan told him that story that was about him, he was angry, right? Till he found out he was the man. David was mad, but he didn't do anything about it. I want you to hear something I'm about to say. David had lost his moral authority. Please hear this. If you are compromising as a man of God or as a Christian, and someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling with pornography, and you yourself view pornography, you lose your moral authority to speak into their life. David, what could he say? Hey, you shouldn't do that. But David had just come off his own compromise What moral authority did he have now since he was a man who had just done the same thing? Not exactly the same, but you get the point. And so Amnon has done this thing. David's mad. Absalom did not speak to Amnon, 22, either good or bad. Absalom hated Amnon, but he didn't really come out and show it. He kind of pushed it down in his heart because he had violated his sister Tamar. Now the story is going to fast forward to what Absalom does, and I'll just say this to you. What Absalom is about to do doesn't make things any better. Vengeance belongs to who? To the Lord. That's Romans 12, 19, where God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Romans 13, 4 and 5 says how vengeance is carried out. It's carried out through the legal processes of governmental law, police, courts, and the like. That's Romans 13, 4 and 5. But here's what happens. It came about after two full years, so time's gone by. Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazor, that's about 15 miles from Jerusalem, which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. Absalom came to the king, to David, and said, Behold, now your servants has, has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants, or his court, Go with your servants. So sheep shearing was a festive event, happened twice a year, celebratory. So, hey, bring the court, dad, bring everybody. Now, this is not really what he wants, but he's setting something up. The king said to Absalom, no, my son, we, we should not all go. That's a lot of people. We would be a burden to you. Although he urged him, he would not go, but he blessed him. Hey, thanks for the invite, son. But, but that, that's just too much. Now, Absalom has a plan. Absalom said, if not, okay, if not the whole court, dad, please let my brother Amnon go with us. I mean, he's the crown prince. He can represent you at the party, at the festivities. Let him go. The king said to him, now David has a little radar going. Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, and as David has been shown to do, David let all the king's sons go with him. The future of the throne, the future of the the covenant if you will and so Absalom commanded his servants saying see now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine when i say to you strike Amnon then put him to death do not fear have not i myself commanded you be courageous and be valiant so now the king's sons come there's a party going on think of like a wedding type of event everybody's having a good time they're enjoying some wine they're enjoying some food and all of a sudden, the servants of Absalom did to Amnon, just as Absalom had commanded. All the king's sons arose, each mounted his mule and fled. He gave the, uh, the order, strike Amnon, and they killed him. We have no detail about the scene, but it had to be brutal and bloody. There's a, one of your brothers laying on the ground. At something that should have been a happy occasion, here's somebody Dead. And everybody fled. Everybody got on a mule and started to run away. As David had committed adultery, he made Uriah drunk, and then he murdered him. So Amnon committed incest, is made drunk, and he's murdered. And the sin of David and the warning that was given to him by God of judgment has come to him. Now, it was while they were on the way that the report came to David saying, Absalom has struck down all the king's sons and not one of them is left. Some Probably a rumor at this point because I don't know how word would have come to David so quickly. Then the king arose, tore his clothes. He lay on the ground. All his servants were standing by with clothes torn. They were devastated. They were in mourning. And Jonadab, now you remember this guy? The so-called friend of Amnon, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, his nephew, is uh, Jonadab to David, responded. He said, Do not let my Lord suppose they have put to death all the young men, the the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. Because by the intent of Absalom, this has been determined since the day he violated his sister Tamar. How does Jonadab know? How does Jonadab know that only Amnon is dead? How does Jonadab know what Absalom was feeling? He had buried it in his heart. Is it possible that Jonadab had become a confidant to Absalom and in some way set up this plan to kill Amnon, the so-called friend? Hey, bro, just pretend like you're sick and you can take advantage of your sister. Hey, Absalom, do you want to kill Amnon? Here's how to do it. When you have the sheep shearing thing, you could set it up, tell your dad this. Now, it's not in the text, but can you see this snake? playing both sides. You ever known a person like this who whispers in your ear, sweet nothings? Oh, you're wonderful. (laughs) This is what you should do. And then over here, you walk in the door and they're whispering in this person's ear. Oh, watch out. It's kind of how the snake works. Always playing both sides of the equation. Shrewd. Maybe he had concocted the plan himself. Now, therefore, he says, do not let my lord, the king, take this report to heart, namely that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Now, David had to be wondering, how does he know? Now, Absalom had fled, and the young man who was the watchman raised his eyes, looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. Jonadab said to the king, behold, the king's sons have come, see, according to your servant's word, so it happened. Maybe he'll like me now. He's playing all sides. It came about as soon as he had finished speaking that, behold, the king's sons came and lifted their voices and wept. They were in trauma. And also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. Now Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. Literally, the Hebrew is all the days. He mourned for Amnon day after day and probably all of his days. And so Absalom fled. He fled in the other direction to Geshur on the other side of the Jordan, and he was there three years with his maternal grandfather. He kind of took refuge, if you will, with grandpa as all of this took place. Now, I want you to turn to Philippians 3, and we're done. Philippians 3. Uh, Oh, and and here's the final verse before you turn there. The heart of of King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. All right. Over to Philippians 3. I was reading a commentary this week, and one writer says that the Hebrew is a little difficult in verse 39 of our text, Philippians 3, and that it may not be that David was really longing for Absalom, but that he was in turmoil with his emotions. And we can all understand that. In the next chapter, we will see some form of reconciliation between Absalom and David. At least they get to see each other again. And we'll dig that out a little bit more. but. Here's what what hit me, and uh, here's what I want to give you in terms of application. You might be asking, Pastor Michael, what do I do with this story? I think there's two things. One, I think the Old Testament accounts should give us hope. If God can use messed up people like this, he can use me too. And all God's people said, amen. These people are messed up. What is going on here? This is the people of God. This is the royal line. Yep. Should give you hope that God can use you too. Second application point, learning. We're supposed to learn from these accounts so that we don't repeat the mistakes that these people made, amen? But some of us have already made our mistakes, and so we're like, well, what now? And that's why I want to leave you with this. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, Paul writing... 313. I do not regard myself as, a, myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing, literally the I do is added by the translators. It just literally says, but one thing. Here's the one thing. The one thing actually is encapsulized in two things. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. We can't change the past. We've You may have had something horrible done to you, or you may have done something horrible. And as a Christian, the devil can continue to try to bring that into your face and say, you're no good. You're lousy. I mean, I imagine how many times Paul uh, had in his mind people he had imprisoned, the death of Stephen as he stood there and said he should die, and he was just killed for being a Christian. And Here's what Paul says is a remedy. This one thing. I've got to forget what's behind me. I can't change it. It's been dealt with at the cross, and that's where I'm going to take my refuge. And reaching forward. Here's the image. It's, it's, it's Olympic imagery. Forgetting what lies behind. When you're running a race, you can't be looking back or you're going to get beat. And reaching forward to what's ahead. Here's literally the Greek. Stretching out towards the tape. I am trying to move forward in my life as I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you that 1 Corinthians 6 talks about how we had committed so many different sins, at least the Corinthians, but we could, we could apply this to us. But then it goes on to say, but you were washed, but you were justified, but you were sanctified. There's no excuse for what happens in this account, Lord. There's no excuse for our sin, and we won't make excuses for it. But Lord, we're also going to take refuge in the cross, whether it's us who were wounded or we wounded others or some combination thereof, Lord. We're gonna take refuge in the cross. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for your grace, your healing, your freedom to permeate every soul that's here this morning. I believe we had an appointment with this text this morning. And I know that you knew who was going to be here, who would hear this, and that they needed to hear it maybe to be able to move forward, maybe to experience some healing, maybe to take fresh refuge in the truth of the cross, and maybe to be warned not to do something stupid if they've been pondering a sin, a sexual sin or something of that nature. I I pray that this would stop people in their tracks, Lord. And I pray that you would just be doing a work in our hearts. And I'm going to ask you as your heart and head is bowed, do you know the Redeemer? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the greater son of David? Have you met him? Have you come to him for forgiveness? Have you asked Him to apply what He did at the cross to your life? Have you asked Him to be your Lord and Savior? Have you said, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe that you were treated shamefully on that cross to bear my shame, my punishment, my sorrow. Do you open up your heart right now? Do you cry out to Him? He's a forgiving God. He can give you a new start and a new heart. Tell him you believe in his death on the cross. Lord Jesus, I believe in your resurrection as well. Be my Lord. Pray it if it's you. Be my king. Save me. Father, for those who are crying out in their hearts and for those who just maybe need some fresh perspective or some encouragement, I pray that you would help us to move forward in Christ, to run in his victory and to preach the hope Of Jesus Christ to the nations. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listening family, I want to tell you a little bit more about the store at walkintruth.com. And I'd like to highlight a teaching we have up there. It's called The Anatomy of a Fall, and it's from 2 Samuel 11 and 12. How can we keep from falling? to sexual sin in a culture like ours. Well, we've tackled this and put it on the radio recently. I know you can benefit from it. You can also pass it along to a friend. It's available in CD and DVD format. And you go to walkintruth.com, click on the store. And when you purchase a product, you are partnering with us to help us reach more people like you. When you buy something, it goes directly to paying for radio airtime. So walkintruth.com, click on the store, and look for The Anatomy of a Fall. Purchase it, pass it along to somebody else, and you'll be partnering with this radio ministry. We appreciate it. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.